Hi, everyone. It's been a while. As you know, my name is Lena Marie Saleh, the EdTech Guru, and today we are starting an extra special series. On this series, we are going to be discussing and speaking with industry professionals on how they are helping you make the teacher transition. All the tips, tricks, and knowledge to make you feel successful while enjoying the transition. Today, we are lucky enough to be joined by Erin Luber. And Erin works at Amazon. She is part of the Amazon business, which is the B2B team who help Amazon's Fortune 100 customers build customized B2B procurement strategies and reach their organizational procurement goals using Amazon business. Erin has recently started her own side gig, I guess you would say, or has become a really LinkedIn connoisseur where she has been building professional branding and job search and helping strategy for transitioning teachers and moms, either for career transitioners seeking a new transition or for moms looking to return back to work. So we can't wait to hear from her today and hear all of the things that she has to share with you. So make sure that you tune in, turn it up, and let's get ready to do this. Hi everyone, and welcome back to my channel. My name is Lena Marie Sali, the EdTech Guru. I wanna thank you so much for spending time with me on this journey, for all the support that you give me, and for following along. Don't forget to hit the thumbs up button, subscribe, and let's get ready to do this. Hello everybody, and welcome back. Today we are joined by Erin Luber, and I'm Hi, going everyone. to let her share a little bit of her story of who she is, and we're going to share a little bit about teacher transition and speaking some hard truth. So I hope you guys are all are ready. So Erin, tell it. us a little bit about you and your story. All right. So um, I have uh, had a very interesting career. I guess I'll start from a career standpoint. I grew up in a family business. And so um, probably just to kind of ground my whole transition story and my why behind all of this is I grew up in a family business where I thought I was going to work there, you know, tenure of my working life. I figured I'd inherit into the business and that didn't happen. And it didn't happen pretty abruptly to where I found myself without a job. So I grew up, it was a grocery store, um, kind of similar to like a Whole Foods kind of style, um, but independent. And I one day found myself like, oh my gosh what do I do with my life? I don't have a job and I don't know what I'm good at. And it's a really hard feeling to not know what you're good at. And to also know that you're good at so many things, but you just don't know how to tell other people about it. So I really floundered for a while and recruited, thankfully, by Trader Joe's. I worked for Trader Joe's corporate for a while and was able to sort of leverage that transferable grocery knowledge and get into more of a corporate space. But ultimately, I had this moment where I was like, I just don't want to work you know, nights, weekends, holidays, retail. I made a very desperate move. I reached out to people who I worked with back in my family's grocery store and just said, hey, you were always hosting parties and doing important things for work. What do you do? I need a different job. And I landed in the world of recruiting. So um, through some connections and networking, found myself in the recruiting industry. It was a tremendous experience, huge learning curve, tons of imposter syndrome, but I would say it's where I learned probably some of my best sales and business lessons. And ultimately I grew to be a director in that space. And then I always had this dream of Amazon. Amazon just seemed like the coolest company. Like I grew up with Amazon. I used to sell textbooks on Amazon when it was just a bookstore. I know, remember when I, I was just the bookstore and that's where I used to go all my college textbooks. Yeah, like way cheaper. yeah. and it yeah. was like this little <laughs> website where, um, you know, you could, I was like, oh, I could sell my textbooks and get money back for it. 
And then little by little, you started hearing about it more. And I was like, I want to work for that company. You know, it seems cool. And I'm, I live in Detroit, Michigan, and like everything is automotive here. So growing up as a younger person, I felt very much like if I'm going to stay here, I'm just going to get stuck working in the automotive industry or connected to it with cars. And I just, nothing could sound more boring to me. So um, I guess I'll just cut fast forward. I landed my job at Amazon through networking on LinkedIn. I just reached out to a stranger and, you know, talked with them. And I think a lot of what I learned in recruiting really helped with that. But I've been at Amazon now for a little over five years. I'm currently a people leader within Amazon business, which is the B2B part of Amazon. And we work with large enterprise organizations. So Fortune 100, or I'm sorry, yeah, Fortune 1000 organizations to help them procure the things that they need for work. That's what I do in my day job, but probably more importantly than that, I'm a mom. I have two great kids. I have a husband. So my husband's name is Corey. He is a pastry chef turned stay-at-home dad. And so we sort of flipped, I guess, traditional roles where I work outside the house and he's the stay-at-home parent. And then my kids are nine and six, got one boy and one girl. We homeschool them now. We kind of did a really cool uh, travel experience where we lived in an RV for 18 months and traveled around the country. And sort of by doing that and just experiencing and learning so much about the country, we're like, we're going to homeschool our kids and we're going to keep going with this. So I love my family. I always say, I think for some people, career is like their number one and other people, family is their number one. And you do sort of always deal with that tension. And for me, when push comes to shove, I think it's always about my family. Like I, I pick my family every time. You know, I say a, a job is enables you to live your life. Right. So that's always the way I've approached work is I want to do good work. I want to do meaningful work, but most importantly, I'm doing that for my family and to be able to have a good life with them. So, um, I'll which I there. think is, yeah. no, that's great. I think that's, I think that's really important though, for people to kind of understand is that you don't really necessarily have to make a choice between your family and your career that you can kind of do both. It's just, takes a little bit of shuffling and, um, you know, sometimes some things give and take kind of like relationship, right? Like sometimes you're going to be busier with work or sometimes you're going to be busier with your family, but it's important to have those moments. Um, yeah, I think it's right. Yeah, exactly. There's like ebbs and flows. And I think, right. It's, it's sort of like watching a horse race. Like sometimes there's one horse out in front and then the other one pulls out in front. And so it's, it's just this sort of constant movement of shifting priorities and figuring it out and, I don't think anybody's quite figured it out down to a science, but you know, you just kind of roll with it. Exactly. Um, I do want to say one thing. So can you explain to people, uh, I know what procurement is, but I bet a lot of teacher transitioners don't know what procurement is. So maybe you could tell them a little bit about what that actually means. Yeah. So, um, so first I'll say B2B, B2B means business to business. Okay. And that means a business buying from another business. So um, a good, you know, a corporation would come to Amazon and they might have thousands of employees who need to get supplies for work. So um, sometimes those employees will come on individually and purchase or other times we might work with procurement teams, which are, which is like an organization within a company that is responsible for buying stuff, but not just buying little widgets. They might be buying um, really strategic parts that go into machinery, or they might be buying massive assets to put into buildings. And so procurement is a very strategic, very important job, a lot of dollars and responsibility. But if we really boiled it down, procurement is the part of the company that's responsible for purchasing and making those buying decisions. 
Yeah. So kind of like in schools, when they're trying to procure a, um, a tech product or do an adoption, it's the same sort of process, but just for business to business. So yes. Just want to exactly. share that with everyone yeah, so you guys kind of know what up. that means. Um, sometimes people look at me when I say B2B like I'm crazy. And I used to feel that way too when I was yeah. in the classroom. I'm like, oh, it's B2B. And they'd yeah. be like, you know, <laughs> business to business. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. There's a lot of acronyms uh, out there. Yeah. There are a lot of acronyms, but same thing in the teaching world. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, so it's great, your story and the power of networking. Um, but you've also really become, I would say, like a LinkedIn superstar among teacher transitioners. Um, everywhere I look on LinkedIn, everyone's tagging you, posting, sharing your content. Um, so what actually got you into doing that and why did you decide teachers? Oh boy. So, um, well, the LinkedIn thing first, I, I was terrified to post on LinkedIn for years and, you know, LinkedIn has had a real evolution too, where people didn't really use to post content on LinkedIn. It was more, I re-shared an article from HBR, Harvard Business Review, or, um, you know, I maybe shared like something that promoted my company, or I went on there specifically when I wanted a job. And so I think the pandemic really pushed a lot of people online in a professional way to look for that professional community. And I would say I probably got serious about it somewhere in there, but, um, I had this idea like in my head for the longest time and it really did stem from when I lost my job and it was such a horrible feeling to feel like I knew I was capable of so much and I didn't know what the heck to do and like I, there weren't resources at the time either so this whole idea of teaching other people how to find a job I just had this perfect little journey of working in recruiting and then leveraging those skills. And I actually made it work. And I got myself a job at Amazon, which was my goal. And I was like, I should tell other people how to do this. And um, so I worked just kind of word of mouth through family, you know, I would help people and friends and neighbors and cousins of people. And then um, my sister's a teacher, my sister's two years younger than me, and she's a special ed teacher. And um, I think she had about 12 years in before she decided to leave. And so I always call her client zero, like whether she knows it or not, she was my first teacher client because she decided she wanted to stop teaching. It was middle school, special ed. She loved her kids and she would come home in tears every day because she didn't have enough time. She felt like she was being attacked because it was a very litigious environment where a lot of advocates they, they had advocates, which were lawyers, um, coming in to talk with her and accusing her of not doing, you know, the right things and stuff like that. And she's like, this is just not what I signed up for. And, you know, they were in a pay freeze. So it's like me, you know, I had been working a corporate job and I'm looking at her and I'm like, you work super long hours. You have two extra jobs on the side. You work all summer long. You take half your money, you put it back into your classroom and no one says, thank you. Like, this is wrong. And so I started helping her. She's a mom and she juggles that and it's perfect for her. But then I started helping a couple of her friends too. Around that same time, I started posting just general career advice and just connected with other teachers on LinkedIn. And I was, oh, there are teachers here on LinkedIn. And it just all kind of started to come together where it was never a super intentional thing where I said to myself, oh, I'm going to go on LinkedIn and meet a bunch of teachers and teach them how to get out of teaching. But Everything just was the perfect storm. So um, I got invited to the teacher talk series a few times and got to network with other educators. And 
I was like, this is a real thing. This is big deal. What's going on right now? Personally, one of the things I'm very passionate about is um, equitable pay for women. And I think that um, one of the things that frustrates me the most for educators is it is a very much like a very strong female presence in the teaching environment. And there's a lot of emotional, I don't know what I would call that. Like there's a lot of emotional warfare that happens with you to say, you should feel bad if you want to leave, or you should feel mm-hmm. guilty. What about the children? And of yep. course, yes, of course you care. But in that it's keeping you stuck financially in a lot of cases. Yep. And that just for me being a woman where I at a point lost everything and rebuilt. And now I'm able to provide for my entire family. Like I know what that feels like to say, Mm -hmm. I knew I could do this and I did it. And I think for women, especially in teaching, that's why I say I do teachers and moms um, as kind of my real special focus point is because I think that that is a place where you need that extra support. You need that extra advice because so many women have potential. And then the space around us and the people around us say things like, well, what about this? Or you should do this. And we mm-hmm. listen and it eats away at us and we suffer as a result. Yeah. yeah. So. And that's, and I think that's a lot with a lot of, a lot of teachers. Most of them are women that I speak with. I've spoken to men as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of the teachers I think carry a bit more guilt, I would say, because we have like almost like a mom guilt, you know, some of us may not be moms, but like the mom guilt of like, what about our students? And when you do go to reach out to like administration, they're like, oh, well, you know, the students are going to suffer and you know, all these other kinds of things. But I always say, if you're suffering, they're suffering. So they're going to feel that you're not as passionate about it. So it's okay. It is okay. And I think now it's become safer space for teachers to leave. I think like they're not looking down upon you, but just a few years ago, pre-pandemic, people are like, what are you doing? I can't believe you're going to do something like that. So I do think it is important to, you know, empower and lift others up. And a lot of times, especially like in teaching, you know, you work so many jobs to stay supportive and you put up with so much like emotional, I don't know, baggage, really your own baggage, but really the baggage of everybody else around you too. And it's just such a heavy, it's just such a heavy lift. I think it's, I'm sure your sister will tell you, like, it's just so freeing to like, not have to think and carry the weight of so many others. And not that I didn't care about them deeply. It's just, there was a time where I needed to think about how I felt and how I could empower others too. And like we were talking about too, I mean, there's seasons to things, right? And I think Mm -hmm. one of the things that is a concern I hear a lot from a lot of educators who are leaving is like that separation of their identity, right? Mm -hmm. Teaching becomes part of your identity and who you are and how you operate and the person who you are, but you carry that with you, right? You can be a teacher in so many different ways. And that doesn't mean that you still can't go back and connect and have those relationships, but it's also okay to let a season end and then use those skills differently. And that's not a failure and you're not letting somebody down and you don't owe something to somebody other than yourself, because you're right. If you're, if you're like slowly dying inside, because you know, this is not the right thing, the longer you go without answering that, I think it has a bigger and bigger impact in a negative direction. Yeah. Especially the identity piece. I've actually spoke with two teacher transitioners today. 
Um, and each one was like, I don't know what to do because that's all I've ever wanted to do. And, and I felt that I felt that same way too, but I'm like, okay, I've got to have other skills than just this teaching business. So I really had to dial into that and, you know, and forget, I think forgiving yourself because you feel, you just feel so, it's just so much guilt that like comes, I think along with it. And like, who am I going to be without teaching, but you can actually be, you know, you can just bloom in a different way. So I think that's important to keep in mind too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about your real expertise in my opinion, um, is your resume <laughs> expertise. I always send everyone to you. I'm like, have you seen Erin's stuff? Because she has resume expertise that I cannot offer to you. Um, so what are some tips, I guess, and tricks, and you can share what you've personally been working on as well, um, to teachers and really how to nail a resume. Holy cow. It's, I feel like that's a lot to unpack, but it is maybe the very first place to start is, um, <laughs> like I'm trying to go back and summarize what I think it's like when you're sort of looking at the path in front of you and you're trying to say, okay, I want to make a transition. Now what? I think people's minds immediately go to, well, I need a resume. I'm going to have to update my resume. And so the first thing is, is actually your resume is not your first step. You need to know what you're doing next first. And that I think stresses a lot of people the heck out because the picking, the choosing, the narrowing, It's like, you don't want to make the wrong choice, but the reason it's so important is because your resume is a marketing document. Okay. So the way that I might talk about my skills, if I wanted to get a sales job would be very different than if I were talking about my same skill set, but I wanted to get a, um, accounting job or something like that, right. Or a customer success job or an instructional design job. Each of those disciplines has different things that they value, like different currency almost. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know what your focus role's currency is, then you can't really market to your audience. You can't say, well, I know that they value my ability to build customer plans. And so I'm going to have to think about when in my life and in my career, have I built something like a customer plan? And that might involve some deep diving into figuring out, well, what goes into a customer plan? And what could I say? Oh, this is like that. And so that's why when a lot of teachers start out and they're like, I'm going to make this change and they head off to the races with their resume. And then in the absence of having that idea on content, they go for templates. Okay. So that's where most people go wrong first, right out of the gate is they think you have to have a good looking resume and you do, it has to be organized. It has to be tidy and neat and that kind of thing, but it doesn't have to look like a graphic designer made it. Um, And I'm saying this to you a Canva person, but uh, you know, (laughs) Canva templates. It's true though. Well, Canva, I love Canva and I use Canva in my business. And I, I think it's fantastic because everyone can be an amazing designer with Canva. Like it makes all of us look talented, but when it comes to resumes, that's just not the best bet for a resume. You just want a word document resume. Um, I have a free template on my website. Um, it's on aaronluber.com. And it's basically a word template. It's the template I used in recruiting. It's the template I used to get my job at Amazon. It's the template that I use for clients. And I think I've got close to 8,000 downloads. And I don't even know how many emails saying I switched your template and it instantly helped. Um, Now, the reason that I think that that helped is because um, I do have some coaching there about how to think about your resume and how, how to structure your thought, because that's the thing is your template is like 5% of the self. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
95% of what you're selling is your content. So we have our, our word template. It's 5% of our, what we need to get done here. Then we got to figure out what the heck we want to do. Got to do some research so we know what do the people who are hiring for this type of job value. And then you got to roll up your sleeves and go to work on your resume and work on your content. So I think that that is probably like right out of the gate. One of the biggest challenges that I see is there's a sense of urgency to get started, Mm -hmm. but a lot of teachers don't know where to get started. And then they pick the wrong thing. Yeah. And then they also go and get a resume writer, which I'm not saying is the worst thing, but when I've seen teachers who have shared with me their resumes, when they come to meet with me, (laughs) I can tell a written resume from a resume writer right away because your teaching history is gone. It's gone. It's like in this, like you have like this key achievement area in the top (laughs) and there is no, there says nothing about your teaching. Nobody said you need to remove your teaching from your resume. Actually, that's a really big piece of who you are and what skill sets you have. And many companies love teachers because teachers are adaptable. They have a lot of skills that they bring to the table, but you can't just trust that that's the case. And so if you go and you don't know your pathway and then you go to a resume writer, they're going to erase all the things for what this one position that you want, but exactly what Aaron is saying, the content, we mean content. We don't mean a blog writer or writing some YouTube content. We're talking about the bullet points essentially on your resume, like what's going to represent you. This is your one chance marketing piece, kind of like a sponsored ad that you get on Instagram stories of you getting to tell yourself in just a few short words. And so that's the important piece that you have to keep in mind. Totally. Yeah. The, um, the resume, the resume writer thing really gets me because, um, you know, I, I offer that service and Mm -hmm. I know the amount of work that goes into doing it well. And I think that is a good flag. If somebody's trying to bury your teaching experience rather than enhance it, that person probably is not experienced in working with somebody who transitions from one role to another. That's a hard resume to write. I will, I will put that on the table that it takes a lot of digging in to do the work to say, okay, you want to go from here to here. How do we tell that story? And Mm -hmm. that's what your resume writer needs to do. And in a truthful way too, right? It can't be where we're just making up fancy sounding words or putting absolute lies in a document. We really need to look at, and someone needs to coach you through saying, tell me more about this. Do you have a number for this? An example might be this. Do you have this? Like that's the process that I take when I work with someone on a resume, because we have to pull out all of those ideas. And I become sort of that translator that helps them say, this is like this, or we could say it like this, because in the corporate world, people know this word. And this word makes mm-hmm. more sense than yep. using this other word. So there is, there's a lot that goes into hiring a resume writer. And I think, especially if you my number one tip, if you don't know what you want to do next, don't do anything with a resume. Don't hire somebody. Don't start working on it. Don't just figure out what you want to do first, because whatever you decide to do, it's going to drive that content. And you're right. The content is the bullets. It's the story and the message that you're telling. Yep. I think that's, I just think it's so important for people to kind of keep in mind because you're right. They do start. The first thing is like, Oh, I need a resume. Cause that's like what we think we know. But like, sometimes there are things maybe you do want to go into, I don't know, content marketing, let's say, but you don't really understand what content marketing is. You need to do some upskilling first mm-hmm. to to understand really what it is, because when a company they're taking as much of a risk on you as you're taking on them. And when you come in 
and you go to a resume writer and you're like, oh, I did all this content marketing. And somebody sees on day one that you don't even know anything about content marketing. You're going to be in a really tough spot because they're not obligated to keep you, but you want to be able to show your best foot forward. And you're going to be doubling down and learning about it and trying to do the things that you need to do. So you want to make sure that you're set up for success too, I think. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you have a question plan for this, but I think networking or, you know, and let's, I guess we should clarify that. Like, I don't know if you're going to go there with networking, but I think there's a lot of assumption that happens. And what does networking mean? Right. Like you got to be on LinkedIn. And so glad we're talking about this. Yeah. Like <laughs> commenting all the time. And like, like, I think a lot of people have a directionlessness in what they're doing on LinkedIn and it's all under the umbrella of, I think I'm Mark or I'm, I'm networking. But really what you need to do is you need to really hone down into if, if you think you want to be a project coordinator, then your best bet would be to go and find some normal people who are project coordinators. See if you can find people who maybe look similar in like, maybe they're just a couple years ahead of you of where you think you might be if you break into that field and reach out to them on LinkedIn. You can ask somebody for their time. Um, you know, follow their content, comment on their posts. If they're a poster, it's a great signal that they're probably going to be someone who answers your DM is if they are active on LinkedIn um, in either posting or commenting regularly, but it's a great free source of even before you start upskilling to figure out like, what does somebody really do in this job? Do I want to do that? Um, because you might find that you think you want to be a um, community manager. So you go out and you start developing all kinds of skills or watching YouTube videos or taking a course thinking I'm going to need to develop my skills for this. And then you get so far down the path and go, Oh, I don't think I want to do this. This doesn't mm -hmm. seem like the type of job I want. Yeah. So networking can be a really good way to hear it, you know, from the horse's mouth, as they say, like hear from somebody who works in that job and just ask them, what do you do in a day? Or, um, you know, what do you like about your job? What's hard about your job? Um, bonus points if you find a teacher who moved into that job. So you could ask the questions about like, what did that transition look like? Because um, I think there can be a misconception of, of the goal is just to get the job, right? Everyone's so worried about getting the job. But when you get there, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot more work to do. There's a lot more hustle that has to happen. So hearing mm -hmm. that from somebody can just help make sure that you're making a good choice that's going to fit you know, where you want to ultimately be and the amount of energy that it might take. Yeah. And I, and exactly. You don't want to just connect with people just to connect with them. And I know you want to comment or like do certain things, but I always caution this too. Like when you are link on LinkedIn, it's become, it's become a space recently more so than anywhere. There's two types of things happening. People are getting really, really personal with sharing like, you know, regular details and things like that. But there's also this other piece of like a little bit of like negativity, I guess you would say that kind of comes in. Like I've been denied this many times and I'm so frustrated and it's okay to make those posts every once in a while. But the most important thing is you need to make sure that when you're interacting, the difference about LinkedIn and like Facebook or something is there's a trail. I could see anything. A recruiter can see anything and you just have to be, I just always caution is like, be really, really careful. So if you're commenting, you're still looking, you're, you're in a job and you're commenting on like, oh, I want this position and you're doing it right there in the open comment for everyone to see. Anybody can see that anybody across anywhere. So just be really careful. I guess I would say like in that and making sure that it's mindful, but also any position 
that's open, go to the company and find those people who are in those positions and look at what they've done. Like maybe look at their pathways. Like that's a really good way. Um, you know, they may not connect with you right away because there's probably hundreds of other people doing that as well. Um, but it's good to just see their pathway and see if they maybe have a different connection that maybe you can connect with, or maybe they're in a group that you're not in. So that could be like another way. It's kind of being like a sleuth hunter, you know? You know, uh, and that's, <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember who said this, to me, but they, but, but the old, like Google it first kind of thing mm-hmm. like, and not just Google it, but go on LinkedIn and try to search type in what you're looking for in the search bar, see what comes up, type up, type in a company that you're interested in, look along that right-hand side and see other companies that are, that are commonly viewed when other people view this company that you're looking at. And there's so much Intel out there and so many little breadcrumbs that you don't even need to talk to a person necessarily, or it can help you get to the right person to talk with. And, um, I think a lot of times, you know, I, I, I've worked with a lot of teachers at this point, and I really do see two very distinct personalities. You have people who are just very determined and they're willing to take high levels of ownership for figuring it out and making it happen. And you have other people who I think really do want it to happen, but they're not willing to sort of put themselves in the line of that like discomfort. Mm -hmm. You know, I might have to reach out to people and have conversations. They might tell me no. I might apply for things and, you know, not have it move forward. And I don't have to take that to LinkedIn and post about it. So there's a resiliency piece to it. I think that's really important in the mindset, like as you're approaching this, that it is hard. It's hard for me to go get a job. It's hard mm-hmm. for anybody to go get a job. Yep. And so keeping that in mind that, you know, as you set out to network on LinkedIn, and when you think about how you're going to participate in this virtual community, Um, you know, you don't have to take to posting. Posting alone isn't going to move the needle forward because it's just like your resume. Having a resume isn't going to get you a job. It's the content. Posting alone isn't going to move you forward. It's your content if you post. So if you're posting things that aren't really adding value or it's maybe more of like a flash in a pan emotion driven, like those probably are not good uses of your time and probably not the, like you said, the um, sort of that trail that you want to leave on LinkedIn where people can see that. Yeah, exactly. I just always think about like internet sleuths, you know, what was that? Like, there's like that Netflix documentary about like the cat killer um, and how all these people were, <laughs> if, you, if you did, it's, it's interesting, but they basically went through, like, they went through like finding digital photos of the things and zooming in. And it was like Facebook groups and this whole community, like around the world end up like finding this like cat killer. Yeah. But you can basically find any, like, I think of LinkedIn like that often, like you could just really find anything very, very quickly on LinkedIn. Like it's very powerful and that you can find posts, you can find people to connect with and you could, you'd be surprised. Like how many people you can connect with that you would have never in your life ever been able to meet in person. It's just, it's so, it's just such amazing underutilized tool sometimes for a lot of people. And, and exactly what you said, like use LinkedIn as Google. Mm -hmm. So much Intel, so much, so much. So, okay. So outside of some of the things that we have talked about today, do you have any other additional tips or tricks or anything like that, that you think job seekers slash hunters, career switchers should keep in mind during this process? 
you know, yeah, it's never too early to start practicing for your interviews. So one of the things that I also really push with anybody who I work with either one-to-one or in my teacher transition academy is like start practicing your interviews now, because there are some questions that you know you're going to be asked. So the old tell me about yourself, right? Like you know, somebody is going to ask you that. Why? Because I'm a hiring manager and I'll tell you, I came running from another meeting. I do need to hear about you and have you tell me about you. And it also gives me that segue into getting settled into our meeting, getting a chance to relook at your resume, hear you tell me in your own words. And so a lot of candidates don't practice that or they wait till the 11th hour. They finally get the interview that they've been trying to get. You know, they've been applying, applying, applying like crazy. And finally they get an interview and then it's, it's like cramming for a test. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to say to these people when I get in this room. And then stress and nerves take over. And then you're worried you're going to say the wrong thing. And you don't really have the thing that you're even going to say. So then you end up kind of making it up and it never goes well. And the way that that comes across on the other side of the camera or table as a hiring manager is you can tell when somebody hasn't thought about their pitch of them. So Mm -hmm. tell me about yourself should be one to two minutes long. It should walk through a relevant story of your professional history as it relates to the jobs. You're going to try to make little connections as you retell the story. And then you stop talking and you let your interviewer ask the next question, whether that's a follow-up question or that's, Um, you know, something maybe an entirely different question, but most people who haven't practiced just keep talking and talking and talking. And it's very awkward for the interviewer to try to edge our way in there and be like, so anyways, (laughs) yeah, that's always mm -hmm. start practicing interview questions. Now, again, Google those bad boys. There are so many, I mean, there are more interview questions out there than you could ever practice, but um, I think, you know, tell me about yourself why are you interested in this role or this company? You know, you're going to be asked probably some version of those questions in most cases. So to have those answers prepared, you can start doing that today. You don't have to wait till you have Mm -hmm. a job interview. Yep. I think so too. And when you do get an interview, I will say this, a really good place to start is all, every company has certain values that they are really, really into. Amazon, Canva, (laughs) CodeMonkey. There's all specific. Yeah. There's all the specific things that are out there for you. And, and Amazon specifically has like a whole section for like job hunters for like job seekers who are doing interviews, like this whole hidden section that probably people who haven't applied for the jobs don't even know about, but like the leadership principles, how to prepare for your interview, like all these types of questions. Those are really good places to go and get like little nuggets of information, but you need to bring, we want to know that you studied for the the test, I guess you would say. So like at Canva, we did some interviews and instantly I know if somebody has actually looked into the, how it operates or how it doesn't look just by the simple fact that Canva for education is free. And then you come to your interview and you're like, well, if someone paid for the product, like that's an instant thing that like, I know you didn't do your research and it's hard, but like you have, you have to do it. You have to just like, look, practice, you know, those types of things, but yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, the, the interview prep part, absolutely. And, you know, maybe even going back to talking about like other tips, you know, I talk a lot about resumes and I think sometimes there's a confusion that by saying work on your resume, I'm saying, cause you're going to take that resume and apply to like a thousand companies through their websites. 
And I'm not a fan of that at all, actually. I'm a super fan of a resume because it's you figuring out your pitch of you. And then you take that and you put that on your LinkedIn. So they match. I love it. I love that. And then when you get into an interview, you have things that you already have prepared that you've studied and you've done the work to dig deep and find those data points and figure that out. So you have things to talk about. And, you know, networking or looking for opportunities, researching companies and focusing on saying, look, I'm not going to try to just jump to whatever first company is going to take me. I have a short list of companies that I'm really interested in. And I want to very intentionally find people to build relationships with at those companies. And I want to try to network and find my way to learning about what is it like to interview at this company? What types of things should I be practicing or doing? There are so many people out there who will help. And so sometimes it can be very helpful too, when you're thinking about interview prep, if you have that narrower list of of maybe top five companies. It doesn't mean you can't apply to other companies through their websites, but you have like your special five companies where you're like, if I could work at one of these five, it would really, that would be a game changer for me. That way you can start to do more, more specific research rather than just all of this generalist type of preparation. You can spend time on the websites and it's not last minute. You can research their leadership principles or their, you know, whatever it is that they say guides their company from um, sort of a, a vision standpoint. And so I think that that's another thing too, is when you're doing all of these activities for job search, you really have to have that overall strategy of how you're gonna approach applying. Like, are you gonna be a bulk volume applier where you're just submitting stuff through portals? And I mean, it's an odds game, right? It's just like, like sales, when you're cold calling, you make enough cold calls, someone's gonna pick up and talk to you. And so that's a tactic, but it's a high volume tactic. And then you also have that other side, right? Where you can mm-hmm. start to isolate down to say, I have a couple companies that I'd really like to work for, or I want to, you know, really, you know, I admire these certain people who I see work at these companies on LinkedIn and, you know, network with them. Um, but I think you can get a lot of good intel and you can do a lot of thoughtful prep for interviews when you know ahead of time, I'm already targeting these companies and this is where I really want to be. So I'm going to prepare for their interviews and, and be really ready. Like actually a very, very good tip that I often forget to tell people about. (laughs) So I think that's, I think that's great preparing for the interview. It's never too early. Makes me, makes my heart smile to think (laughs) about those things. And I never think about, you know, well, I hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation. Erin, just, you know, she's mentioned a few times, but she does have a course and has free resume templates. So those will be down below, but Erin, what is the best way to connect with you or to find information that you share? Yeah. So Let's definitely connect on LinkedIn. That's a given. Uh, And my LinkedIn username is just Aaron Luber, all one word. So super easy to find me. And then my website, which is AaronLuber.com, also probably pretty easy to find me. So um, either of those, all the links are there. So you can find your way to whatever it is you'd like. And definitely, um, I love connecting. I am a super fan of free resume template, answering questions via DM. Um, I really like to give back. I do have a business that I run and I do have paid services, but I really believe that, especially for the teacher community, that it's important to offer really good advice and resources for no cost at all. Like if you want to just do the work and you don't need someone to hold your hand, like I'm putting that level of information out there so you can actually use it and get results. Yeah. And 
And if you do choose to take her course, I promise you won't be disappointed. Wow, so thanks. definitely check that out. Her link will be down below as well as the courses and everywhere that you can find her. So if you can't remember, it'll be down below in the show notes. Erin, thank you so much. I'm so thanks happy. Just an FYI, Erin and I met via networking on LinkedIn. We did. Just so you guys. We did. And we've become fast friends. And so it's really nice to yeah. be able to connect with her and have her on. So. You never Thanks know. Thanks for having me. This is, I've been looking forward to this all day. So oh, you awesome. have been the I really appreciate that. <laughs> awesome, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining in and we'll see you guys next time. Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you so much. You've made it this far. I appreciate all of your support. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, throw the comments below in the comment section. I'm always looking for new ideas and hot trends, or if you're looking to sponsor our podcast and video episodes, reach out to us on any of our social media channels, and you can even find us anywhere you find your podcasts. Once again, my name's Lena Marie Saleh, the EdTech Guru, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye everybody.